In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. On, uh, on Palm Sunday, I always have this uh, liturgical confliction um, that, that, goes, that goes through me. Because we celebrate Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry and blessing of palms and all glory, laud, and honor. And as soon as we get to the church, then we switch right to Good Friday um, and all the Good Friday lessons. And, uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I think this is, is just a, a way to, to acknowledge the reality that lots of people will, will be here Sunday and won't be, won't be here again until next Sunday. And so this allows them at least to experience um, Good Friday and the crucifixion, you don't get to come straight from the triumphal entry into Jerusalem to the triumphal entry of the resurrection without going through the cross. Uh, but, it's, but it does, it does sort of leave pause for the, the, what Palm Sunday has um, as, as that, that cry of, of Hosanna, save us, um, save us, in Luke's gospel, we don't really have to say this. We have to bless it as he who comes in the name of the Lord. But you still have that same, that same feeling of, of Jesus coming in as king, being hailed as the Messiah, hailed as the one who's, who's come to save and deliver Israel. And that shift that happens um, so quickly from, from save us to crucify him crucify him just a few days later. And so, in many ways, it's, there, there, there is a bit of also liturgical sort of sense of, of celebrating that because it, it does happen almost that fast, right? Of things that were, here is the Messiah, the Christ, the one we want to be king on Sunday. But by Friday, we're, we're done with him because he's not really doing the things we want to do. We're here for Passover and um, we've all got our lambs and we're all ready. And how come these things aren't progressing the way we want them to be? In Luke's gospel, uh, is, which is the other, the other nice aspect because we have, obviously, the, the passion and crucifixion in every gospel. Um, and we rotate, rotate Matthew, Mark, Luke on, on Palm Sunday. This year we read Luke. And Luke's gospel really does set up a little bit differently. Um, and especially, especially differently from where we've been in Luke at the beginning of Lent, where, where in the temptation um, passage it says... And the devil left him until an opportune time. And then Jesus says, This is your app, the power of darkness. Here's the opportune time. Then Luke is, is sort of referring to right here, not sort of referring to, he's referring to right here, right? This is, this is the hour of darkness where the powers of sin and death in the world are coming. Um, and they converge um, here politically, 
with where we get to see Herod um, as well as Pilate involved. All the other Gospels is just Pilate. Here we have Herod uh, being involved and mocking and, and finding out that they become friends after this. Before this, they were enemies, but now they, they uh, Jesus brings people together. I guess in good ways and in bad ways. Um, and you know, here's here's the powers of of the world um, ready to, to converge. One of the things that that struck me, I have to say, as an aside today, after after visiting um, the Legacy Museum and some of the other things, with Pilate saying he doesn't deserve death, let's just have him flogged, and and then we'll just then we'll turn him back over, as if. That's just nothing, right? I mean, as, as those whips have like bone um, attached to it, they just pull away the flesh. Just, we'll just have them flogged. Yeah, and then it'll, then it'll, then it'll be on its way. Um, so real, even, even, even in this, it wasn't like Pilate saying he's not, that he's innocent. Or Pilate saying he's, he, you know, he's not coming out challenging the crowds. He's just basically saying, he doesn't deserve to die. I mean, he's still pretty much nothing. right? He's still pretty much worthless. He's still pretty much just saying he's the king of a group of people that are barely people anyway, which is how the Romans thought of the Jews anyhow. Um, so Pilate certainly was never professing the innocence of Jesus. Pilate was, was always representing the evil of the world. Um, and when the religious leaders are representing the values of the evils of the world, where they put more value on their comfort and their position and their wealth and their limited power um, the, the, the religious leaders always they sort of remind me about the people that um, they talk about why, why people would, would do um, steroids and things like that for the, uh, the Olympics and bike racing and things like that it's like because the, the stakes are so low you know in other words the, the, like the, there's like just this little teeny tiny window that you're ever going to be anybody and so you have to do anything. For the religious leaders, the stakes are so low. Right? They're really nobody. They're somebody in the temple system. But it's, it's sort of like, it's sort of like, you know, me, really, right? I might be a semi-big deal at, at St. Matthias, but I'm not in the rest of Taco, and I'm certainly not in the State Assembly of Georgia and the United States. You know, there's there's, this is, the, the religious leaders are, are struggling to hang on to their power so much. And when they, this is why the Pharisees say to Jesus, shh, tell your, tell your disciples not to, to, to say these things. And Jesus says, I tell you, if they kept silence, even the rocks would cry out. He's not saying that to sort of quench their own things. They're saying, be quiet, because any moment, Rome is just going to mow us over. And Jesus says, even the rocks will cry out, and meaning the rocks of the temple are going to cry out, because this is what has to happen. 
this battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world has to take place. It has to take place. Even the rocks will cry out. Everybody's crying out. It can't go on any longer. It's a spiritual battle that Jesus has come to undertake. And it begins in the garden. As Jesus says, your hour is now here. This whole battle, will Jesus go to the cross or not? All you have to do is bow down to me. All of this can be yours. Instead, Jesus goes to the cross. And in that cross we see we see not only, not only does Jesus go as a willing sacrifice for the sins of the world, we see on the cross, even on the cross, he's still more concerned with others, with the criminal who's next to him, who says, let me be in your kingdom. Jesus, today, remember me. I, when you, that I may come into your kingdom, I tell you, Jesus says, this day you will be with me in paradise. Even in the midst of agony, physical, spiritual, in the midst of this conflict, the Spirit of God is poured out upon the world, upon nobody. Because if you're being crucified, you're nobody. You're actually less than nobody. You're held there for all the world to see as someone who deserves this, who's come against the, the Roman Empire as one who's scum and less than scum, and certainly less than human. In John's Gospel, a lot of times we talk about Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman at the well, and there's basically, we all fall in between those two people, right? It's Nicodemus's Pharisee, male, Jewish. The Samaritan woman is Samaritan woman outcast. And that, in that time frame, that pretty much encompasses the world, which is not what was right before that. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to them that all that believe in him should have eternal life. Here's the world. Nicodemus, Samaritan woman. The criminal on the cross is below even that. And yet Jesus, in the midst of pain and agony to be the savior of the world, reaches out before he breathes his last. This is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is, even as he comes triumphantly into the city. This day is, is lamb selection day for the Passover lambs, the day that the lambs are chosen for the Passover. Jesus is the lamb, not just chosen by God, but he's willingly given himself up from heaven to come 
to be that perfect offering and to bring God's kingdom to everyone. The curtain is torn from top to bottom that we might draw near to living God. Once upon a time, it was only once a year that the high priest, once a year, one person could go back into that holy of holies. Now that the curtain is torn from top to bottom, we all can come into the presence of God. Even if you're a criminal on the cross. I do hope um, that you come as often as you can this week. That you, that you walk the steps from, from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane to the cross. Easter Vigil to here. Because um, I think it'll, it'll be a blessing to you as you come to celebrate next week. But even in the midst, if you, if you can't be here, I pray that you, that you take time to look at this passage a couple more times and to, and to draw yourself into what it is that God has been willing to do for us in order to bring us into his kingdom. Amen. Amen.